Tanessa Shears, welcome to The Expert Edge. Hey, Colin. I'm glad to be here. Hey, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I feel like as my business has grown and my life has become a lot more complex with having kids and uh, running a more complex business, uh, the the idea of of optimizing my energy and the clarity of my thinking has just more and more become an important idea and really valuing that. And so I'm excited to have this conversation because I know that you're a health consultant and you really specialize in working with entrepreneurs and high-performing individuals who really want to optimize their health and get their the most energy out of their life. So why don't you just share with the audience kind of like your philosophy of like, um, how you think about health and energy, and then we'll kick off the conversation and get into some specific areas. Yeah. So it's a fascinating thing. What happens when we grow our business, when we spend all of our time focusing on, you know, the growth and, and what do I need to do next? And what we end up finding is that one of those side effects of growing a successful business is that our health kind of gets put on the back burner and we oh, never intend for that to happen. It starts really innocently. Like, you know, I'm just going to stay up and finish this, th- these emails and, and it's just going to take an hour out of my sleep here or there. And then it's just, oh, I, well, I, if I could just work at my desk, I'm just going to go heat up some noodles. I'm just going to reheat that pasta from last night. That's great. And then, oh my gosh, I've got so many clients going on right now. I'm just really tired. I'm just going to skip my workout. And it literally, we end up going all of this time and all of a sudden, like what is healthy food? I haven't worked out in a while. And our health really does get put on the back burner. And what we don't recognize is with that goes the clarity of our thinking, feeling well rested when we wake up, having energy to sustain all of these things we want to do. Because when I look at my business five, 10 years out from now, and I have a large team I want to run and I'm working with a ton of clients, like I need to have the energy to sustain that. And my health, is at the base of that. So the approach that I take is our health is necessary and vital to scale our businesses and keep growing. And it is something that we neglect to think about, I think, when it comes to, you know, reaching that five-figure month, six-figure year, multi-six-figure year. It's always when I get there, then I will have the time, the team, the people in place to have the, you know, the space to do this. But if we're always playing that if-then-when game, we never actually take care of our health and our businesses suffer because of it. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, you probably notice this from a lot of your clients as well is coming out of COVID. I know we're not fully out of it, but I feel like a lot of people have worked harder than they've ever worked before. Like during that COVID period, especially being online. And when you're online, like you're always on and there's this like sense of, always having access to the internet, to whether it be social media, direct messages, all that sort of stuff. And I know for me, even recently, I kind of realized that I had been pushing myself so hard for so long and I'd forgotten what it was like to actually like do things that were enjoyable and looking after my health and stuff like that. And we just get ourselves in that rhythm. Like, are you noticing that with your clients? Yeah, we're also in information overload like right now. Like I feel like we're taking in so much more news than we used to take in. So much more social yes. media. We're having to make decisions on our opinions on things. Do we agree with things? Do we not? And it is very mentally draining. And instead of using our health as a place to build up our energy, I find we're spending it trying to escape how exhausted yes. we feel all the time. And whether that ends up being social scrolling, too much Netflix, overeating, 
it's, we all end up just trying to get out of how exhausted we're feeling. And that's just creating this kind of like snowball effect of brain fog that's permeating our businesses. Now, first of all, I want to, I want to acknowledge that for those of you who are doing that, you know, I don't want you to feel any shame in doing that. Like if you've been escaping or whatever, like this is, I really want this conversation to be like more of like a bit of an encouragement, a wake up call to go, Hey, if you notice yourself, you've been using like, you know, poor food or alcohol or different movies or whatever it is to just like escape um, that this, this conversation will be the next level of you accessing your energy and your clarity. So let's, so let's get into uh, talking about how to actually think about getting better sleep. Uh, well, why, don't, why don't you tell us, Tanessa, like what are the elements that like some of the big core elements that you like to consider with um, increasing energy and, and thinking clarity? Yeah, well, and I think the first thing that we need to identify is what it is we're dealing with. And I think a lot of it is brain fog, right? Where it's it's that inflammation that's coming from many areas, but primarily I'm seeing it as a lack of quality sleep. I'm seeing it as, you know, nutrition choices that aren't aligned with what makes our brain work and our body feel really good. A lot of sedentary behavior. And then in just in general, like stress that is accumulating going unchecked. And I'm not just talking about like, Oh, I got an email and now I'm stressed out about responding to it. It's like the, the stress from the food we're eating stress from, you know, over exercising or under exercising it's relationship stress. It's financial stress. Yeah. All of this stress coming in is creating that brain fog sense. And it's not something you're going to walk into the doctors and they're going to be like, you have brain fog and here's what to do about it. It's, it's How like do you a- know? How do you know if you have brain fog? Like if, if the listeners are going, okay, I think I might have brain fog. Like what are some of the symptoms? Yeah. Great question. So waking up feeling like the day is already beginning to drag. I like to think when I wake up, I want to feel well-rested. I want to feel clear and I want to have the energy to get started on the day. So when I find that I'm in a place of brain fog and we all end up there, even if you have all the health habits in place, because sometimes you just don't sleep well for reasons outside of your control. Like if you're a parent or you have a pet that's running around the house, making (laughs) a lot of noise. Um, But what I generally look at is for when you asked about symptoms, what is your clarity of thinking like? What is your creativity like? Like when you sit down to write an email, does it feel like you're like wading through cloudy, clunky thinking? Does it feel difficult to come up with creative ideas? Do you forget little things? Like if you go to respond to an email and all of a sudden you're just like, I can't remember who I'm writing this email to. Uh, and your thinking just feels slow. And the other really big thing I look for is how easily distracted are we? So if you go to sit down and do a task, do you also find yourself on Instagram, if your phone goes off, are you easily distracted? Do you have an Amazon tab open and a Facebook tab? And are you clicking between them? How much time are we spending getting distracted? That to me is a brain that's not fully focused and might be experiencing brain fog. Yeah. So it's kind of like when, yeah, if you notice yourself getting distracted easily, which, which to me, from my understanding is like, basically like you don't have enough prefrontal cortex energy to actually keep yourself focused so you just go to your default which is to be distracted which is our brain's natural kind of like default and and then so yeah so you can't keep focused and so you're saying like if you find yourself in that habit or that kind of like friction that that's probably an indicator that your brain could go to a next level in terms of clarity 
Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I read a really good book called uh, Brainwash. I think it was by Dr. Perlmutter. And he was talking about this idea of something called disconnection syndrome. And it goes back to what you were saying about the prefrontal cortex. Now, as CEOs of our businesses, we want to be able to make executive decisions, plan ahead of time, follow through on things and have the energy to do that. Right. Mm, But when there's high levels of inflammation in our body and think inflammation, like we've all probably sprained an ankle at some point gets red. It gets painful. It gets swollen. When that happens in our brain, that's when inflammation starts to pop up. Right. And we get that brain fog. Um, But what he was saying is that disconnection syndrome happens is when all that inflammation happens, our prefrontal cortex gets taken offline and we are left responding emotionally to things. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it. I'm too tired. This is hard. I'm uncomfortable. That is where we really get a lot of that energy where we're, we're now doing tasks like, you know, like we talked about the social scrolling when it's really just to escape how we're feeling right now. So when we can identify that we get to choose how intentional we want to be with it. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about some specific things that can improve brain clarity, um, energy levels, all that sort of stuff. And I'd love to start with sleep mm-hmm. because I feel like it's funny, you know, when you're a kid, you don't want to sleep. But as soon as you become an adult, it, it's like the most, you know, coveted thing ever. <laughs> so I know for us, when our, our daughter really had trouble sleeping, and uh, I think it probably went five or six years that I didn't get a night, like a full night's sleep. And I remember coming into my office at like 9am in the morning and lying underneath my desk and taking a sleep at 9am when I started my work day. I did that for like five years and we tried everything. We had the sleep clinics. We had like, you know, like we were seeing doctors, like everything. We just couldn't get it sorted. So um, let's talk about sleep uh, because I think that that is um, an important topic for energy. So talk talk to us about the difference between sleep opportunity and sleep length. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. Sleep became the obsession of my life when I had my daughter <laughs> Yes, because I was, I remember showing up for a client call and I was like, I was about a month postpartum. I love my, I love my clients. I was like jumping back in. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking like, come on brain, form a sentence, do something right the whole time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm experiencing this on this level with this kind of sleep deprivation, how many of my clients are experiencing this on a level that's below their awareness? Like they think they're doing, they think they have good sleep. It's good enough, but it's impacting their cognitive function. And that was a couple of years ago. And that was when sleep really became important. And this was also when I learned about the difference, like we were talking about between sleep opportunity Mm. and sleep length. I got a Fitbit. I was pregnant and I was like, I'm going to be super fit and pregnant this whole time. Nobody (laughs) told me I'd be sidelined by hip pain the whole time, but I got a really interesting view into my sleep and the architecture of my sleep with the Fitbit. And I was always someone who would, you know, I'd skip through as the sleep stories. I'm fine. I get my seven and a half hours. It's great. But my Fitbit told me an entirely different story. What I did not know was that when we close our eyes and when we wake up, our brain spends time awake. So I wasn't accounting for the time it takes my brain to go from consciousness into deep sleep. Mm. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know that at the end of every 90 to 120 minute sleep cycle, 
Your brain wakes up whether you're consciously aware of it or not. Then there's the times we wake up in the middle of the night to use the washroom or review our to-do list for the next day, as we entrepreneurs do. Yeah, write and, down something we forgot to like do. On our and then pad, we should probably, yeah, we should obsess about it for 30 minutes yeah. in the middle of the night. That's totally a productive. And that always works story. well. Yeah, yeah always, <laughs> always. Productive. Yeah, and then beyond that, there's the time it takes our brain to go from, you know, sleeping to fully awake. Mm. And I take all of the data from the wearable trackers of my clients and I analyze it and I color code it and I spreadsheet it because that's what really lets you see trends. Mm. And what I can tell you is that on average, the average entrepreneur I work with spends between an hour and about an hour, 17 minutes awake every single night. Now consider this, if you are giving yourself seven hours to sleep and saying, I get seven hours, what if you are the average person that spends an hour awake every night? You're now getting six hours, maybe 545. Mm. Your brain is sleep deprived and you're no longer at that, uh, that place where your brain can perform to the level that we need it to in our business. Your cognitive ability just goes right down the toilet. Mm. So I'm curious about the, like, uh, so this, this whole thing of like length and opportunity, like talk mm -hmm. to me more about that. Cause from my understanding, like, I mean, uh, okay. Okay. I have very little understanding of this. So <laughs> what, this is just my experience. If I go to bed earlier, as opposed to sleep in later in the morning, I feel so much better going to bed earlier than, than trying to have a sleep in. Yeah, this because there are different things that happen in our brain at different ends of the night. Yeah, talk to and, me about that. <laughs> yeah, so when we when we go to sleep, primarily for the first part of the night, our brain enjoys way more what we call deep sleep. Deep sleep is where our mind, our brain, and our physical body recover from the day. So you know when you wake up just feeling really fresh and just like physically energized, that is usually reflective of getting enough deep sleep. And the majority of it happens in the earlier part of the night. You get some in the later, but majority earlier. So when you're waking up feeling energized and refreshed like that, you're probably just enjoying a lot more deep sleep, which is fantastic. On the other end of the night, we have the majority of our dreaming or rapid eye movement yes. sleep. We've all heard of that before. Yeah. Now so that's where you have your dreams. That's like when I wake up, like I'll do like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. I wake up, go to the bathroom, and then like I'll get back to sleep. And then I have this like vivid dream in those last couple of hours. So is that why that happens? Yeah, it could be that, or you could be sleeping later and remembering your dreams. We usually right. remember our dreams when we wake up in the middle of them, or if there is something that wakes us up from a dream. Mm. But the fascinating thing is, you know how deep sleep is about that physical and brain recovery. Mm. When we do REM sleep, think of it like cognitive therapy about developing the skill set of our brain rather than the physical structure. So while we sleep and while we dream, REM sleep is what I call entrepreneurial gold. That is where at the root of who we are as an entrepreneur, we get better. So when we get adequate dream sleep, we are better problem solvers and we think out of the box, which is essentially what our jobs are and our ability to do that is how big we can scale our businesses. It allows us to read facial expressions and body gestures better. So if I'm coaching a client, I need to be able to notice if they lean back when their face, you know, changes, I want to be able to be in tune with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I'm on stage or if I'm speaking, 
It's important. And the other thing that's fascinating that REM sleep helps is our emotional management. We've all had a bad night of sleep and been irritated, short-tempered the next day. We were, we don't want to do what we said we were going to do. So REM sleep helps us develop our emotional capacity to stay even keel, which I mean, I want to show up in integrity with my business. Yes. So if somebody decides to tell me my, my reel is cringe, I want to be okay with that and not <laughs> let it derail my entire day because that's happened before. Yeah. Right. I want to just be able to be like, ah, that's all right. You know, I've got other stuff to do. I don't need to spin out about this. And REM sleep really helps us achieve those three things. So REM sleep is the early hours. Is that what you're saying? That's kind of the, or is that the, the, the first section, the deep sleep, what's REM sleep? So deep sleep is what happens first. It's a first, very yes. slow brainwave function. Yes. So like, so when you first go to bed and then the REM, yeah. yes. And then REM sleep is like the, in those early mornings kind of thing. Yes. So think three, four, five, six, yeah. you're, you're going to see a little deep in the end of the night and a little REM, you know, in the, in the 10, yep. 11, but it's yep. the, the percentage shifts. Okay. That, that, makes that makes sense. So what are some ways that we can access, or first of all, what are some mistakes that people make that stop them getting good deep in REM sleep? I love this one. Entrepreneurs are human doings at heart. We don't so much. stop. We go, 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 go. And I love this. Our brains go, go, go up until the moment we decide to go to sleep. And then yeah. we just turn our lights out. And it's like, wait a second, why can't I fall asleep? Or if we do, because we're exhausted, uh, why am I up at four in the morning? Like, obsessing over the day. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, I heard this analogy, I forget where I heard it, but it's like backing your car into your driveway at full speed. And then like, <laughs> we don't do that, right? It's expecting we, to stop perfectly. Yet. Yeah. So we really want to think about using the time strategically before bed to remove the stimuli and wind our brain down. And so one of the biggest things I see is there is no time for our brain to decelerate before bed and our brainwaves need to, yeah our brainwaves need to go through different brainwave frequencies or how fast the brainwaves are going and they need to slow down before sleep and a lot of it has to do with how much input we are allowing in during that time and i'm not just talking about are you listening to a podcast i'm talking about the light, which is information to us, how bright it is, what color it is. Are we staring at a screen? Are we on Instagram? Are we working? Like all of these things are driving our brains into what's called like a sympathetic state. Our brains are on, they're working, we are producing cortisol and we go like this until sleep. So really thinking about transitioning that brainwave speed down so that we can slide into sleep <laughs> instead of like back down the driveway, slam on the brakes and hope you don't hit the garage. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So that's a good way to think about it, like decelerating coming into coming into sleep. Uh, and what are some what are some good ways to do that to decelerate? So I love the idea. This is this is a uh, new um, a concept from a Cal Newport book called Digital Minimalism. He talks about this idea of solitude and it really made this so clear. We spend our days full with input from other people's brains, mm. other people's opinions, other people's thoughts, other people's feelings. So I like to take time before bed to start turning down and minimizing those things. And if that means me spending time with my own thinking and my own feeling, I do that. So what that looks like for me is after we put our daughter down to sleep, what I like to do is I go into the washroom, I dim the lights, 
I'll maybe even turn them off and leave a hall light on. So my mm. brain's not being told it's the middle of the day. Yeah. I like to take off my makeup, put on my PJs. I like to brush my teeth. Then I'll hop in bed. I'll read a book, which doesn't stimulate my brain. So I'm not picking up a business book with a highlighter and sticky notes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to read something light, something fiction. I can feel my body winding down. And then, you know, after 20, 30 minutes, I put my book down. I'm going to slow down a little bit more. So maybe I'm going to do some progressive relaxation or I'm going to focus on my breathing or I'm just going to practice letting go of the things from the day. And you see how that's kind of a nice slide into sleep as opposed to like to-do list, laundry, dinner, run around, phone, Mm -hmm. bed. What time do you normally go to bed? (laughs) I go to bed very early. And this is not to say that this is the right time for you to go to sleep. I am in bed by eight every night. So you put your daughter down at what, seven or something? 7.30. 7.30 and you're in bed by eight. Let's be real. I close her door at 8 p.m. Yeah. and I'm at yeah. 8.01 in my bed. Um, yeah. We do all the teeth brushing together. But um, yeah, no. So I'm asleep by nine o'clock every night. Now, here's something really important to know. This is not because I am working around my daughter's schedule. This is what's called my chronotype. So chronotype is essentially a word that says the clock that my individual genetic body functions on. So there are several different, what we call chronotypes. There are early mornings. There are people that suffer with insomnia. There are late night owls. And then there are about 50 to 60% of the population, which function in about the, I can go to bed at 10, 30, 11. I can wake up at seven, seven 30, but it has to do with a length of a gene you have called your PER3 gene. So a really easy way to find out which one you are, there is a book you can read called The Power of When by Dr. Michael Bruce. He also has a free quiz on his website and you answer about 30 questions and it'll say based on these different personality traits that you have and patterns that you run during the day, here's what you're most likely to be. So mine came out that I am part of the 10 to 15% of the population that thrives on a nine to five schedule. I used to be 11 to seven and I never quite felt the clarity I wanted. And when I found this out, I implemented it. And I was like, there we are. Like five o'clock hits, 5.30 at latest. I am up fully energized just as I am now. This is how I am programmed to be. So sorry, 5 a.m. in the morning or 5 p.m. at night? No, 5 a.m. in the morning yeah. is, is like my brain you're is up, you're on. on. I'm, I'm as on as some people are by the middle of the day. That is my go time and my productive time. And I structure my business to make sure it's optimized with that window of uh, energy. Yes, uh, that's so true. I mean, one of my friends, she, yeah, she's in bed at about 8 p.m., but she's up at, you know, 4.30, 4 a.m. working working and doing stuff like she's a machine. Um and uh but that makes sense like she still gets that seven and a half hours of good quality sleep kind of thing what would you say to someone like i know for me you know like you put the kids down you're pretty tired and you're like oh man i just want to like watch some netflix or i just want to like watch a movie or uh for me sometimes which is probably the worst i'll play like um video games on my on my on my mobile at the moment i am playing (laughs) call of duty uh, on my mobile and uh, I do not recommend getting into it, but I'm actually very good at it. Uh, so <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> my wife, my, yeah, my wife, totally. My wife is always like, babe, I cannot believe I'm married to a guy who, who plays video games. She's like, seriously, like, and I don't play any other video games. I'm just like into the, and there's a, actually, 
no, that's not true. There's a surfing game that I play as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious, like, how do we get over that fear? Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm going to miss out on time where I get to like watch a good movie or watch a series or play some video games for a little bit or something like, cause normally, you know, I'm looking after the kids, I'm making them dinner. I'm, you know, taking them down the road to some sort of thing. Like, like, and that's like not my time. This is my time now. And so I feel like in my mind, I've got to like rewire my thinking and the way to view it as like, um, you know, like my wind down time. What do you say to clients and all like people who would like themselves who have those thoughts? Yeah, this is one of my most frequently coached topics. I will tell yes. you that. Um, <laughs> so I first thing I like to ask is, is this a problem in the first place? Because I don't want to say that Netflix is a problem. I watch Netflix. It doesn't make me less productive, mm. less effective, less healthy, but I use it in a way in which it supports the overall outcome I want is how I feel the next day. So yeah. when I talk to clients and they're like, I've worked with so many clients who are like that, what you said, kids go down. That is the only time I have for me. And it comes back to- yeah, I'm not doing a meditation at that time. No, you're just like, I want to zone out. So the fascinating thing is when we really dig into this, it comes back to, you know how earlier I was saying we are human doings, Mm. like scheduling, planning, meeting, posting, writing, commenting, interacting, engage, like go, 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 go. Podcasting. Yep. Oh yeah. Podcasting. We spend all day fully engaged as human doings with no time being a human being. And the definition of human being is feeling your life. What are you thinking? Removing input from other people. Mm. So we get to the end of the day and we've been in this lean forward, like fight or flight energy the entire time. And we get to the end of the day and you hear this, I'm exhausted. I worked so hard today. I need a break. I deserve this. Mm. And what ends up happening is we can't that we're not, it's not enjoyable to feel exhausted, right? So what we end up doing when we feel exhausted is escaping through Mm -hmm. things that don't create the feeling we want. Because when we are taking this time to just have time for us, I ask my clients, what is the purpose of this time? And they're like, well, I just really want to feel refreshed or restored. I just want to feel relaxed. And I'm like, is it making you feel relaxed? And they're like, no, not really. I don't feel relaxed after scrolling. And then I, I like to ask them, I'm like, that, well, I say that this is why you feel like you need four episodes of Netflix instead of one. It's because you didn't get the feeling you wanted. You're not feeling relaxed. You're not feeling refreshed and you're certainly not feeling restored. So you think maybe another episode will do it because sleep couldn't possibly make that happen. So I'm not saying that these activities like video games or Netflix are the downfall of our sleep. I'm saying perhaps some of the activity time that we are using is not helping the way we want to feel. So when I say, how do you want to feel relaxed? What actually makes you feel that way? Mm. Well, you know what? I really like doing a puzzle or I really like going for a walk or I like, you know, getting a light sunlight movement. I catching up on these blogs that I've gotten bookmarked and have never gotten around to these things that really make us feel like I'm a human being. This is what I created my life for to enjoy these things, that high quality leisure time. So If we're finding that we're running into bedtime all the time and putting it off due to things that aren't really serving us, well, maybe we could just break that time in half and insert some more of that downtime as well into our day so that we don't feel so exhausted that we need four hours to recover from our day. So it's kind of that question of like, how can we insert breaks during the day to make us feel like humans again? 
And then how can we use some of that me time to actually achieve what we want from it instead of just like escaping how exhausted we feel and then doing it again every day? Yeah. And I I think like, I know, you know, for me, it's like, it's kind of like I'm looking for entertainment. Like I'm looking for something that would just, it's actually a, like a stimulant, essentially. I'm looking for another stimulant, which I know I've obviously, you know, and probably like most entrepreneurs trained our brain to look for stimulants continually. And it's like, who who would ever think that you you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a stimulant going on in your mind? Um, so, I mean, that's great. That's what I was kind of looking for, like just a different way to view. And I think viewing it as like, what outcome do you want? And is, mm-hmm. is what you're doing, giving you that outcome. Um, and there's a level of almost like, if I, I kind of like, I was visually seeing like a scale and if like right at the top end is like highly stimulating and right at the bottom end is like completely boring in those last, you know, couple of hours before you go to bed, you, if you're engaging in those highly stimulating activities, you're, you're going to struggle to get to sleep. And so, I mean, for me, video games is going to sit in that because, um, you know, I get pretty into it. Uh, you know, Netflix is probably like a seven out of 10. Um, you know, like reading a book is probably like a three out of 10. Meditating is like a one out of 10. So you can kind of see like that's in my mind, I'm always into drawing diagrams and stuff. So like in my mind, I'm kind of like seeing how that, flows does that does that how does that sit for you as a consultant in this space you know what I love that I feel we are very stuck in binary thinking meaning I did a good job I did a bad job I shouldn't do this I should do this right but like you said maybe there is room for video games but is it also offset by something that helps you sleep yeah right like I know if I don't stop at a certain time messes my whole sleep up like i have to stop by like 8 30 because i usually go to bed at 10 so if i don't stop by 8 30 if i keep going i'm stuffed um so uh that's like i've just learned that and then i will do like i usually do the i do the five minute journal every morning and every night and i love that and it gives me a bit of time to kind of reflect on the day and that sort of stuff i do a lot of meditation like even throughout the day i'll take like 20 minute breaks and do like little meditations and breathing i do a lot of wim hof love all that sort of stuff Um, so, but I love what you said about how, like, you don't just have to do it at the end of the day, you can insert it throughout the day and that can actually build like a reservoir. Um, and, and I've definitely started to notice that even in my life. So is that something that you kind of recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the fun thing is that the term non-sleep deep rest was coined by Andrew Huberman, and it is this concept of fully allowing your body to relax and let go during the day. Now, I mean, if you, if we look at like, what would be ideal taking 20 minute breaks to fully disconnect, even have a nap if that serves you, but this would be something that would be great. But most of us, like the idea of fitting a 20 minute full on rest period, it sounds like you, you, have you seen my schedule? So what I always recommend is how about this? Take five minutes between your calls and just ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? Where am I holding my tension? Because like, I know I can, I can feel it right now. I'm holding it in the back of my legs mm. and I just let that go just now. Some people, mm. it's their jaws. Some people, it's their neck. Like just while you're listening to this, like check in, like where is tense right now? <sighs> Take a breath. How are we feeling? What's going on in our heads right now? We feel a little overwhelmed. Like, why is that? What are we thinking? Where, where is this going? Spending those couple of minutes, just checking in with yourself a couple of times a day is a really small place to start 
which can help you learn the awareness for when you are in that full-on sympathetic lean forward energy that is creating that human doing. Like, how can I be a human being for 30 seconds? Just right now. How am I feeling? What am I thinking? No, that's great. What are what are three things you said, three things that enhance sleep quality? Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some thoughts like about your routines, your environment, your rhythms, your timing, all that sort of stuff? Talk to us about some of these things. Yeah. So we went through the idea of the wind down routine and that you really want to slow your brain down. That is critical because what it does is it helps our body lower that natural cortisol, that Mm. stress hormone. And that is not only going to help us fall asleep, but help us stay asleep. So that one is just is critical. And I think it's one of the biggest things that is truly missing. If you don't have a routine in place right now, like let's start with 20 minutes then let's start with 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And slowly progressing that out as you start seeing the benefits, because I find that the entrepreneurial brain works in return on investment. And if you can quantitatively or even subjectively see those changes happening, I find we're more likely to stick to it, but setting a goal of like 90 minutes to start. I mean, that might take a big chunk out of our evening that we're not ready to do. So starting small with that, Um, that. there are plenty of environmental hacks. So we often think of just like our brains and sleep, but our environment impacts how we sleep so much. And a really good example is light. Light is one Mm -hmm. of the things that influences our health more than almost anything else. And we don't even, we're not even aware of it. So for example, think about this. When we go to sleep at night, if you have taken us out of this whole electric age where we have no artificial indoor lighting, our brain was cued to what to do, what time to go to sleep, what time to wake up, what time to be active by the light. So normally the sun goes down, the sky goes yellow, and then it goes orange and pink. And then it goes red and then the sun goes away. And during this time, that light information is telling our brain, it's time to wind down, bring this hormone melatonin into play so that we can have high quality sleep. Now, what's happened is because of all of these like LED indoor lights, Mm -hmm. we are getting constant input from our environment that it's the middle of the day, stay alert, stay awake. So melatonin, that sleepy hormone, it doesn't do its job effectively. So we end up suffering all of the health consequences that come from delayed sleep because our brains don't know that it's nighttime. So one of the things that I like to suggest is with your indoor lighting, treat it as if it were sunset. So right about when sun does start to set or an hour and a half before you want to go to sleep, let's turn off all the overhead lights and start bringing it to table lamps because you know, sun is lowering, light is lowering. Then let's take the intensity down. If your lights are on dimmers, this is a really good time to take them down. The last thing is think about the colors. So we want to think instead of walking into our bathroom, flipping on the vanity and having these bright white lights, how can we put a salt lamp in there? How can we put some maybe red light bulbs in our bedside table lamps to really help our brain ease into sleep? And there's a couple of really simple hacks you can put in place. Like I said, we can, you know, put red light bulbs in things are fun like that. Almost all electronic devices have built in blue light filter removers whether that be our smart TVs, iPads, phones. So this removes all of this light stimuli and helps us sleep. The other really cool thing we can do is I have a pair of glasses that I wear in the 90 minutes before bed. They have red lenses on them so that if I want to stay up and watch TV, it is having a lesser impact. So it does look like I'm on Mars for 90 minutes every night, but most of the- They're not a blue light glass. They're a red light glass. 
So they're 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 in the class the same of thing? blue light glasses right. because they block the blue light spectrum. Yes. Because the lenses are actually red. They're not the typical like um, coded lenses you see. Like they are red. Because I've got ones that are clear and they're supposedly blue light glasses. So are these different? Yeah, so the, the the clear glasses are like the films we get on our, our reading glasses. Those yeah. usually block about 10 to 15% of blue light. Um, now, depending on if you get full-on wraparound glasses or, yeah. you know, they will block anywhere from like 80 to 100%. So when wow. you look at something blue or green, it looks brown. That tells your brain we're filtering out the blue light. And I cannot tell you how many times I put those on. I usually don't make it more than 60 minutes without falling asleep because my brain is like, sun has set, it's bedtime, let's go hormones, time to sleep. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's really cool. Love that. I think that's really that's really helpful um, in terms of sleep because I, I definitely know that getting better quality sleep. What about eating? Like, Because I know like we had on the list to have a chat about nutrition and eating. But how does eating affect sleep and what are some foods to avoid and foods to like how that looks for nutrition with sleep? Yeah, this is one of those things that most people don't know is affecting our sleep. Mm. It's fascinating. So there's two components we're looking at here, proximity to bedtime and what you are eating Mm. in order to get high quality, restful sleep. A couple things need to happen. Your blood pressure needs to drop and your heart rate needs to drop. This is how we achieve maximum well-restedness the next morning. Now, when we eat within, I say two to three hours of bed, our heart rate has to go up. Our blood pressure has to go up and digestion has to start. So what this means is while we are trying to sleep, instead of focusing on, you know, removing metabolites from the brain and recovering and, you know, restoring the muscles, your brain is digesting, your brain is sending all the energy to digesting your food. So you actually get less of your quality sleep and you can see interruptions in deep and REM sleep when we eat too close to bed. Now the guideline in general is to at least two to three hours before bed personally. And with clients, I find better results with three to four hour gaps before bed. Now it really just has to do with your schedule. I mean, if I'm in bed sleeping at nine, is it possible always to eat before five? No, Hmm. but I do my best when I can. So that's part one. Part two is looking at what we are eating. So we have a hormone in our body that helps us um, lower the blood sugar that happens after we eat meals, especially high carbohydrate meals. So Mm -hmm. this hormone is called insulin. Insulin works really well in the morning, pretty well in the afternoon, not so well at night. So that means when we eat really heavy, high carb dinners at night, our blood sugar stays elevated because that hormone insulin doesn't do a good of job at bringing it back to baseline. Now, the problem with really high blood sugar levels is if we go into sleep with high blood sugar, our cortisol and adrenaline stay higher. We mm-hmm. end up usually dehydrating ourselves and having to go to the washroom in the middle of the night. And this is what I see in a lot of clients that can't fall asleep or wake up and have the brain just in hypervigilance in the middle of the night, they're stuck in cortisol fight or flight. And that's, you know, partly caused by eating these really dense meals or high carbohydrate processed meals before bed. So what, so what are some examples of high carbohydrate processed meals? Oh, a big plate of pasta with some garlic bread tastes yeah. so good, but I mean, <laughs> pasta, we, I mean uh, pizza, pizza. Well, it depends if you're having, um, like a cauliflower crust or a regular crust. Right. Yeah. But we really want to think like, is gluten-free like high carbohydrate as well? Or like, I'm curious, does that impact it at all? There are some studies that have shown that gluten-free flours, so think things like almond flour, potato starch, tapioca starch, all of these substitute flours will spike blood sugar to a higher effect 
than non-flours. Yeah. Now, gluten, when we talk about gluten, there is a certain percent of the population that is sensitive to gluten and it does affect their digestion. But if you're eating a food that is causing inflammation, that is also going to affect our sleep, right? Yeah. So it, it's kind of like that conversation of like, well, we're really looking at the carbohydrate family as a whole. Right. Go no carb at dinner, maybe. Should you have a little bit? Maybe. So here's what you do. You, you notice how much you put on your place. Am I going to put a cup of rice, of rice on my place? Or am I going to put half a cup of quinoa? Notice I'm sticking with the less processed carbohydrate options we have here, sweet potato. And how are you sleeping? Try it for a week. Notice. Oh, I notice I'm still having trouble falling asleep or I'm waking up. Well, what happens if I just cut that in half and notice how that makes you feel. I'm always about subjectively testing, giving it along enough to actually experience what it's like and test it. All of our bodies are different. Like I can't say for me and you that rice reacts the same. We are all different. That's why we need to be proactive at noticing, oh, my sleep isn't that great, but on the nights I don't have a massive plate of pasta, I actually sleep better. Oh, maybe I should continue that. And then you get to make that decision on a night to night basis, how you want to feel the next day. No, that's great. And so um, what are some some foods that reduce inflammation? Because you've talked about inflammation a lot. And how does, um, like, what's the purpose of reducing in inflammation in our body? Yeah, so when it comes specifically to food, if you are eating food that your body is sensitive to or it is highly processed, what can happen is it either can damage the actual lining of our gut or it can pass straight through into our blood. So I want you to think about this. Like if the lining of our gut is meant to be like a nice pair of pantyhose, like think of the fine weave, mm. but we are eating foods that are causing inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Think of it like fishnets. So a lot of undigested food and bacteria crosses into the blood. Now your body is smart. It's like, Hey, that doesn't belong here. Like let's get an immune response going. Right. Mm. And whenever you get an immune response going, that's purposefully inflammatory, right? The goal is signal the troops. We need to deal with this and get rid of this. So that is another journey you end up going down and, and really looking at how do you feel when you eat foods? And a good example is it's, it's not always as intuitive as we might think. Like for me, when I eat quinoa or broccoli, I get this intense hollow sensation in my stomach that feels like hunger. And that is likely my body disagreeing on some levels, either with the digestion process or how it affects my body, how I'm feeling. But if I just think, you know, broccoli is healthy, we should eat broccoli. Here I am with a stomach ache every day. So we really got to tune in like what's not normal, like good things to look for within three hours after a meal are joint pain, gas, bloating, any um, digestive changes, energy changes, clarity of thinking. Are you hungry one to two hours after all of these things can, can signal that the foods that we're eating are not serving our body. Cause I go by three words, every meal, I want to feel light, content, and satisfied. I want to have eaten enough food and with enough balance between carbs, fat, and protein that I can last four to five hours without feeling desperate for a snack. That is the guideline. I know if for my body, this is balanced, this is good. My brain is clear. Yeah. love that. Um, what about alcohol? How does alcohol affect us and does it impact? Cause a lot of people will have like a, wine, a glass of wine at night or maybe a beer or a whiskey or whatever they like kind of before they go to sleep. And a lot of people say like, oh my gosh, like it sends me to sleep. But what are your thoughts on alcohol and how alcohol affects um, our sleep and our energy? 
Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a fascinating conversation. I'm actually working through with a client on this right now. And he was drinking about five nights a week. He's down to two right now, but he, even in the four weeks so far notices like profound impact on clarity. And I'll explain to you why. So alcohol is, is a fascinating thing in which it is always metabolized in our body first over any foods we have eaten. Right. Mm-hmm. So alcohol will it goes take straight that- in the bloodstream, right? It just goes boom, like straight into our body. Well, it's a toxin. Our liver wants to get rid of it before it deals with the pizza we had, (laughs) (laughs) right? So it's like, we need to deal with this first, right? So what that means is that that blood sugar level is staying higher longer. So it's leading to a lot of like that cortisol that is disrupting our sleep. But beyond that, exactly what you said, it helps me relax. It helps me fall asleep. Now we can't get Um, alcohol induced sleep confused with actual deep sleep. Alcohol's job is to sedate the frontal lobe on the brain, lower inhibition, lower input. What actually happens is when we have a glass of wine and go to sleep, we sedate our brain. Our brain does not enter deep sleep. Remember we talked about deep sleep being recovering the physical body and the physical mind preventing long-term dementia, Alzheimer's brain related diseases. So this is something that we need to recognize is affecting our sleep because we are not actually rejuvenating our brain. Then when the sedation of alcohol wears off, what ends up happening is we are not able to achieve that sound sleep and we are much more easily woken up. Now, if we remember dreaming and REM happens at the end of the night. So if you are in a lighter place where you are not sleeping as heavily and are easily woken up, then you also see disruptions in REM sleep. So sedated and then disruptions in REM sleep. So what this ends up doing is you end up feeling like you're not getting that mental restoration either. So you may have a full night of sleep, but the quality will not be there. Fascinating thing. If you ever track your sleep using any kind of Fitbit or ring, anything like that, you will see a direct hit on REM sleep dreaming. That is the biggest thing that takes a hit. And beyond that, you will see a pretty significant increase in heart rate over the night. Beyond that, when we talk about stress on the body, alcohol is one of the single most things that increases what's called our heart rate variability. It is a metric you can measure that tells you how much stress your body is under. And there have been some studies that show that one single night of drinking can raise your HRV or lower your HRV, which means increase the stress on your body for three to five days. Mm. before you can truly recover. Mm. So not only are we putting our body under a place of stress, but we are no longer having that quality of sleep and it is disrupting the way our body metabolizes food. And when you disrupt your body's ability to stay in a neutral, calm place without stress, when you disrupt your body's ability to recover, remember low heart rate, sleep recovery. And when we disrupt our ability to get quality sleep, It's leading to successive days of brain fog and cognitive impairment that we might not fully recognize until we've experienced what it feels like to be really clear. Oh, it's so, it's, it's just so true. Like, um, so what you're saying is that it's, it's not actually helping us get to sleep. It's just sedating our brains and kind of like, um, essentially stopping our brains from going into that deep recovery mode and so forth. So it, it's not actually doing what many people think it's doing. It helps you pass out. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's actually what it does. It helps yes. our brains lose consciousness. Yeah. Lose consciousness. That's mm-hmm. so, that is so true. Um, I know for me, like, you know, uh, I think I shared this before. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, stopped drinking and uh, the, the quality of my sleep, uh, and no, I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to. I don't know if it's going to start stay forever. But I, I know for me, the quality of my sleep, the quality of my energy, the quality of my life has just imp- actually improved like ten times. And I used to have like a glass of wine in the night, or a beer, or whiskey, or something like that. And ever since I've stopped putting that, just what you said, toxin in my body, because it's so funny because alcohol is such a like, you know, generally accepted kind of thing to do like you know you go to the super bowl and they're advertising it to 200 billion people um that it's awesome um but once i stop putting that toxin in my body my the quality of my my experience of my life has just dramatically improved yeah i love that and you know what the fun thing is is like when we start becoming aware of how these things truly impact our body, it's not that we demonize alcohol. Mm. It's that we now get to make intentional decisions. So if I know I've got a day tomorrow where I want to feel refreshed and I want my energy, I just get to make an intentional decision ahead of time. And one of the strategies that I love working with on clients is make your alcohol decisions ahead of time at the beginning of the week, because you're making it from a place where your prefrontal cortex is involved in that decision-making. It's non-emotional and it's based on your long-term goals and what you want for your life. This takes you out of reactive emotional decision-making. Then when it comes time, it's just putting your plan into place and using your self-discipline to follow through on your own plan, which is a whole part of the coaching part of, you know, the sleep consultant work and the health consultant work, because there's the how to do it, but there's also the like, well, how the heck do I Accountability. keep doing it? And yeah. it's that self-discipline part. hundred, hundred percent. Love that. Love that. I mean, that's a whole nother, whole nother conversation that I could, I could talk about for a whole nother hour. But, um, but I think, you know, everyone's kind of got to make their own choice with that. But I, I know for me, the quality of, cause I always used to go like, okay, I've got a good, I've got a big workshop workshop coming up or I've got a big keynote coming up. So I'd be like, I'm not going to have any alcohol for the next two or three days. Just so I, so, so my mind can be like super, super clear. And then I was like, why, why don't I just do that all the time? Like, so, so that in my business, in my life, in every conversation I have, I'm always clear. And, and that was like a big shift for me in terms of going like, you know what, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be clear just for these big events. I need to be clear in every day of my life. So um, it's been a cool, cool journey. Uh, I'm curious about, um, you know, well, we've talked about, we've talked about sleep. We've talked about preparation for sleep. We've talked about nutrition. Um, is there anything that we, you know, I feel like we've covered, definitely covered enough like topics. Is there anything that we've talked about so far that we haven't covered in those areas that you think is just really important for people to be aware of as entrepreneurs, that's really specific around entrepreneurship. You notice as a pattern around their sleeping or their nutrition that you think would even just some small things that could help to improve their clarity of thinking and energy. Yeah. Um, I think it would be going back to sleep and talking about our circadian rhythm specifically. Um, our circadian rhythm is a fancy word for your body has a clock and everything follows the clock, your digestion, your heart rate, your hormones, everything. And specifically when we're talking about this circadian rhythm, when it is most optimized is when we are talking, think about working with your body and with your biology, how it was designed to work. So think about this. If we are going to bed at a different time, every single night, your body has no idea whether to ramp up melatonin production at eight, 
10? What are we doing? How am I, how do you want me to help you here? There's nothing consistent for me to go off of here. (laughs) So having said that, one of the simplest things that you can do to your sleep is be consistent. And I know we've all heard this one with our sleep time and our wake up time. And if that sounds too much, your sleep time, just start with becoming consistent at that because the way our brains work is if we go to bed at 10 PM from Monday to Friday, but then we decide on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to stay up till one because you know, we deserve it. Our brain, (laughs) social, whatever it is. I want you to think about this. This is what you're effectively doing to your brain. You're getting on a plane on the West coast and flying over to the East coast, having a great weekend and flying back and dealing with that jet lag Monday morning. It is called social jet lag. Your social schedule is giving your body and your brain the influence of jet lag. Mm. So then what happens is we struggle Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because for every, I'm going to call it hour of time zone shift. It takes about 24 hours to recover cognitive impairment. Stay up three hours, a couple nights in a row, You might get the right amount of sleep because you'll probably sleep in, but you're now dealing with the cognitive impairment for two to three days post weekend. So you're finally getting your groove back on Thursday and it's Friday again, and we're going to do this all over again. So, I mean, I know we have social lives and we're humans and there needs to be flexibility for that. But every time that we throw our schedule out of whack, it sets off all these different hormone chains. And like one of the things that I never knew before was that We all hear cortisol. It gets a bad rap, stress hormone. We need it. It is what wakes us up in the morning. If we are having to sleep really late on the weekend to catch up, we feel like garbage. It's because we've slept past that cortisol upswing that helps us feel really alert. And then it gets all confused because we're like, are we doing this later now? Do you want me to wake you up later? Like, is that what we're doing? And then we go back to waking up earlier during the week and your cortisol, like we missed the boat. It's constantly literally feeling like you are in a different time zone. And that drastically affects your focus, your ability to concentrate your clarity and how we show up. So optimizing your circadian rhythm, try this for two weeks. I recommend three, but if your brain is not wanting that two weeks, go to sleep and wake up within a one hour window as best you can even on weekends, then ask yourself, how is my brain working? And if you love it, you get to keep it. And if you don't, you don't have to keep it. But I always say, make that decision from a place where you know how good it feels to feel clear. Like, I don't think, I think a lot of us are running around with brains operating at 50%. It's literally like we go into the Apple store we are like, yes, I will take this supercomputer. I want high resolution screens. I want to be RAM memory, all the, all the things that make up like the best computer. I don't know the, the details, but you know, you put it on your desktop and you're like, let's browse Facebook. And that's how we use our brains. We have these supercomputers in our head and we use them to browse Facebook. Now, I mean, what would be different in your business and your life, if you were no longer operating at 50%, but we could get you up to 90. Like, what could you do with your business, your time? How would you change? How would you use your life differently if you weren't spending all of this time escaping how exhausted we feel? What if we could get you up to 90%? What could you do with that clarity? And what would that feel like if we've never felt that before? Like, what might that be like? Make your health and life decisions from that place, not from a place of having to escape how we feel. Yeah, so good. So good. We've covered so many great topics and ideas. And I think it's going to be super helpful for um, all the listeners who are entrepreneurs themselves. 
Um, so I'm cu- I'm curious, Tanessa, what's the best place for them to get in contact with you and where can they kind of get some further help if this has really resonated with them and they're like, oh, I'd love to like go a bit deeper into this area. Yeah. So if you're wanting to go deeper, hands down, go to my podcast, Becoming Limitless. Every episode, I take one biohack or one strategy. I tell you what it is, why it works and how it affects your business. You can go apply it, come back for a new one the next week. That is hands down the best way to go deeper with this work. If you're wanting to reach out to me directly, I'm on Instagram all the time. So just pop into my DMs, whether that is like, hey, can you clarify this? Do you have any resources on this? How can we work together? That is a great place to go. Um, But the last place that that I think would be as well. Yeah. The the last place that I think would be a great place is I have an entrepreneur's playbook called 12 ways to biohack your energy. So I'm going to be real. There are things that work better and faster than other things. I've put them in a PDF to help you with clarity, high energy mornings and focus. And that's at tanessashears.com slash energy. Beautiful guys go and grab that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Tanessa, one final question. Uh, Imagine it's the end of your life Mm -hmm. and uh, people are standing around talking about you and talking about the impact that you've had on their lives. It's maybe some of your friends, your family, your clients. Uh, what would be your hope that they would be whispering about you? Oh, that she made it so clear that it never had to be a choice between my success in my business and my health. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Tanessa, it's been a pleasure having you on the Expert Edge. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.